You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Welcome to Rico Bronia. The New York Met Express train continues to roll on. They win three consecutive games against the Cincinnati Reds, really in dominating fashion. They never trailed in this series. They played 27 innings against the Cincinnati Reds and led in 25 of the 27 innings. They led immediately in game one when Marte hit the home run. They led immediately in game three. It took them a couple of innings in game two before they went ahead in the third inning. So this was pure domination. And before we talk about this series and discuss this New York Met team is arguably the greatest Met team we've seen since 1986, I'm going to do something that's going to surprise you, but I really feel compelled to do it. And that's prop up the Cincinnati Reds. And the reason I'm going to say that is I think a lot of us may have looked at the last three days probably maybe the first three times you've seen the Reds since the Mets played them a few weeks ago, maybe the only times you've seen the Reds, you look at their record and you say, well, they suck. They're terrible. Of course the Mets swept them. I want you to understand something. The Cincinnati Reds came into this series as a hot baseball team. Now, that may not make any sense, but it's true. They won two out of three against the Brewers in Milwaukee before they got here. They won two out of three in Miami before they got here. They won two out of three at home against the Orioles before they got here. Hoff's going to like this. You may have remembered they won two out of three against the New York Yankees not too long ago. You like that, Pete, right? I, I do like that a lot. And if you know, Not for nothing, but the Mets broadcast watching it on SNY every day, they kept on hyping up every stat possible that was a positive for the, for the Reds. Like, Vernon's in scoring position. I think they were like top in the league. Yeah, yeah. They're a, which, by the way, I did not know until I saw SNY put that up, like a 280 clip with runners <laughs> in scoring position. And, and look, I understand that they had Justin Dunn called up to make a start. They had Mike Miner make a start, who's terrible. They had TJ Zoik, who I remember with the Blue Jays a few years ago. I didn't even know he still existed. So, yes, the Reds didn't exactly throw up. You know, three big guns against him. They did trade away Luis Castillo. I know there needs to be some context to the way the Reds have played, but they're not just this team that gets their ass kicked every time they've gone out there. They're actually fascinating because they got off to that abysmal start. People were comparing them to the 62 Mets, and they've actually been a 500 team for like the last month and a half. But really, over the last couple of weeks, they've been good. Since July 7th, they were 16-9 and coming into this series. And 
it, it sounds absurd to think that because we just saw them play and we saw the arms they were throwing at. And again, they threw out the three weakest arms they could find. Two kids they literally just called up and Mike Miner, who's had a terrible season. So I, I do want to supply the context to it, but I just wanted to point out, like, we should not apologize for what the Mets did over the last three days. First of all, even if the Reds came in here on an 18-game losing streak, you shouldn't apologize. You got to beat the teams in front of you. But the Reds have actually been a better baseball team than their record indicates. But I think the most impressive thing, and it really started from game one of this series, was that coming off the emotion of the five-game series against Atlanta, winning four out of five the way they did, uh, almost a packed house every single night, certainly a playoff electricity every single night, it would have been easy to just fall flat. It really would have. And not that we would have sat here making excuses the next day, but it would have at least been understandable. The Mets have played great baseball, really, since losing those first two games out of the break against San Diego. Eventually, they're going to cool off. And logic would have said, yeah, they'll cool off against the Reds. Why the hell not? And they didn't. And I think the most important thing that happened was the first inning of game one. Because two things occurred that I thought set the tone for this entire series. Number one, Chris Bassett's on the mound and dominates the top of the first inning. Like, bing, bing, boom, couple of strikeouts, get your asses on the bench. And then immediately, like literally five pitches into the bottom of the first inning, Starling Marte deposits one in the left field seats. And right out of the gate, the Mets are up 2-0, and even I was feeling cocky. Like, they're going to win this game. They're going to leave no doubt. And... They did a decent job against Justin Dunn. Justin Dunn's a former Met prospect. He was initially in the uh, the Edwin Diaz trade, which he's sort of forgotten about. And then he was traded to Cincinnati, I think, for Jesse Winker. The Reds and the Mariners made a bunch of trades together. But the Mets were able to at least slowly tack on against Justin Dunn. 2-0 game becomes a 3-0 game. Chris Bassett actually starts putting guys on base every single inning, but he's able to really work through the damage. And... I loved watching Bassett want to continue in this game and Buck be willing to let him continue in this game. And look, keep this in mind. A Monday night against the Cincinnati Reds is not going to be a playoff indicator. Uh, Buck's going to manage very differently in October. I don't necessarily think he's going to push Chris Bassett to get to the eighth inning in an October game when in the previous five innings there have been guys on base every single inning. But I think over the course of 162, when you have a bullpen in which a bunch of guys are used the day before and the day before that when you played a doubleheader, you want to have a day in which you only use one guy out of your bullpen. That's nice to have. But the only way you're going to do that is if you get really good starting pitching and a starting pitcher that's able to go deep into games. And to watch Chris Bassett throw 114 pitches, here's what's funny to me. Chris Bassett throws 114 pitches, and yet we have been trained like dogs to say, oh my God, he threw 114 pitches, as if that's crazy, when the truth is, it shouldn't be crazy. Like, Pete and I are not that old. We remember guys throwing 125 pitches. I mean, it's not... Uh, I it, mean, Levon, Levon Hernandez, I mean, that was a normal outing for him. Yeah, yeah. And, and we're not talking about 40 years ago. You know, we're not bringing up 1967 to you. I'm bringing up like 2012, 2015. Yeah. Like guys would throw 125 pitches, maybe even 130. So the fact that 114 is like this, oh my God, he extended himself, is kind of funny to me. But that's how we've been trained, man. 
Well, that, and that's that's what bothers me too about like the whole th- idea of of the the getting rid of the complete game and all that stuff. I think the the the, the mentality, and I don't want to blame it on the pitchers, but it's like it's the, almost like the catering of the staff around them. It's they're they're a, a high commodity. We need to make sure that they they're, they're our asset. We need to hold on to them. We need to make sure that they're healthy. So let's make sure that we have them and dominate whatever they're available. Rather be like, let them go out there pitch nine innings, and that's and that's, that would be a. But but what's crazy is like that's a valuable asset. You know, Chris Bassett. I look at Bassett's season. It's kind of an interesting year. He's got a record of nine and seven. Not that records matter. His ERA is about three and a half, so solid. But what jumps at me the most about Chris Bassett is his ability to pitch one inning more than what maybe most normal pitchers would pitch. Like, I think there's been a handful of outings, sometimes not even in his best performances, where Chris Bassett is mediocre and he goes six. And for most other guys, it's probably like a five-inning performance. And I thought Monday night was similar to that, where that's a six, seven-inning performance, and he somehow gave you eight. And so if I had to define Chris Bassett's 2022, I would say that that's been a consistent trait of his that even in good performances and in mediocre performances, he tends to pitch one inning more than most other pitchers in baseball would do with that exact same performance. If that makes any sense, what I'm trying to say about him. Like he is in one extra inning guy in every performance he makes. And I remember there was a game earlier this season and I, I'm spacing on the opponent and how it happened. And maybe the Marlins on like a Saturday where Balk didn't have a bullpen available and he pushed Chris Bassett and it backfired. He gave up some kind of big home run and the Mets ended up losing the game. I think it was for some reason, I think it was the game that Gerard Encarnacion hit the grand slam of the Miami Marlins. But I'd have to go through my... I think it was a Sunday. Was that a Sunday? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's right because that was really bittersweet at the end of that series. Yeah, I could... I could literally sit here with my scorecard and go back and find the game. I don't know if it's that interesting. But, and, but, but, and, and here's the thing, though, too. Like, just one thing I want to piggyback off of is that the fact that Bassett was able to go that extra inning on, on Monday. But I feel like that was the story of the, of the, the starting staff this, this, this series. Because like, Carrasco pushed it. Even Tywan Walker didn't seem like he really had it that well today, but was able to push it an extra, you know, get that sixth inning in there. And that, that was enough. That was good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What what was also happened in this game, which I think is going to be forgotten about, is Lindor's had a great year, and we'll discuss him in a minute about what this season has turned into. He hit a freaking home run, and it was robbed by that schmuck Albert Almora, who had like one hit in 117 at bats as a Met, but he was good defensively. So. I can't take too much of a shot at him for that. That was the one thing he actually did well. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Um, The second game of this series, though, that was where Carlos Carrasco comes out, pitches into the seventh inning. The Mets break through when Lindor hits that two-run home run as a right-hand hitter. Jeff McNeil hits a bomb of a home run. They get a big hit from Jeff McNeil later in the game. Darren Ruff breaks the game open. And the highlight of this game, though, was the fact that new acquisition Michael Givens had to come in in a big spot 
not a throwaway spot, which most of his performances have been, but a big spot. I mean, I get it. Seventh inning against the Reds. Maybe you don't consider it a big spot, but it's a close game. He came into a two on, two out, up by two runs, facing the Reds' second place hitter, Nick Senzel. And Michael Givens, to his credit, came in and struck him out. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean I think he's going to do that to Austin Riley in the National League Championship Series or Mookie Betts in the National League Championship Series, but it was at least nice to see Michael Givens come in in a close game, in a big spot, at least in a situation that he may see in a pennant race or in a postseason game. Tying run on first base. Lead run at the plate. Look, Michael Givens comes in. He could very easily give up a three-run home run. We're looking at this game completely different. Now, I have a confidence the Mets will win anyway because they'll just beat the crap out of the Reds' bullpen and come back. But in that moment, there was a little bit of question. Hey, uh, maybe maybe this game's going to look a little different. And to Givens' credit, he comes in. He gets a big strikeout. Trevor May's inning was very, very shaky. I'm willing with Trevor May to give him a handful of performances before I start to judge him more than I already would. And I I, look, I judge him on the fact I don't think he's that good, but he is coming off a long stint on the injured list. I'm not looking for him to dominate right out of the gate. It hasn't happened. He hasn't been bad, but he's been at least up and down, and he was very up and down in his performance in the eighth inning, but he was able to get through it. I mean, threw 187 pitches basically in the one inning, but he's at least able to get through it. So it was nice to at least see him find a way to not implode, and the Mets take the second game of this series. And it's like you're sitting back with your feet up saying, ah, oh, this is freaking great. We're just going to keep racking up wins. Yeah, just, just keep racking them up. And then the game on Wednesday, the game where I skipped work to go, and I can't tell you how many people told me that while I was at City Field today. You're not working today? Were you? You're skipping work? Yes, I'm skipping work. Freaking Yankees played a 4 o'clock game. I'm going to do an hour and a half show and miss Mets Reds on a Wednesday afternoon? Hell no. Plus, I brought my oldest son to the ballpark. He went to Kitty Field twice, baby. Twice. Almost got one out of the park. So proud of that little man. Ah, but this was fun. See, the third game of this series was a lot of fun because there's nothing better. You know this, Hoff. When you take your kid to the ballpark, you want to watch the Mets just kick ass because you don't want to deal with stress. I don't want my son to see me stressing out over Met game. I just want to sit back and say, look at us kicking ass. 6-0 6-0 in the third inning, 2-0 after one, 5-0 after two. That qualified as a good old-fashioned Wednesday afternoon at the park. No stress. You want to go to Kitty Field in the fifth inning? Fine. We're kicking their ass anyway. That's my kind of day at the ballpark, bro. Well, let me ask you a question, though, because I did notice something strange about today. What? Not, not only that you skipped work. Did anybody go, does Spike know you're here? But besides that, I noticed uh, you weren't sitting in your normal seats. What was up with that? That is a true statement. So uh, I usually sit behind the plate. I'm very spoiled. Whenever I go to a (laughs) Met game on the road, at home, I always want to sit behind the plate because I think it's the best view. And I don't even want to be that close. I want to be a little bit high up. Not too high up. Not the Euchre seats, but a little bit of height. To me, that's the best place to watch a game. And Jed has asked me. He's gone to a lot of games this year, this man. This little boy. Man, he is... I'm spoiling him the way my dad spoiled me going to games. Uh, he's been to like 14 games this year. And he said, I know it's nuts, right? But he's learning. It's crazy. Like, he's learning these little things. Like he said to me the other day, this is a great observation because he's scoring games now. 
And he says, I don't understand why the catcher isn't batting ninth. For, I forget which team the Mets were playing. And I said, I don't know what you mean. He's like, I thought all the catchers bat ninth. I said, no, that's just the, that's just just the, the Mets. Mets with Tomas Nito. <laughs> and I thought that James McCann, too, should be there. But, yes. Yeah, well, he is. I mean, basically, the Mets automatic ninth place hitter is the catcher. So, watching all these Mets games, he grew the assumption, kind of like how pitchers always hit ninth, the yeah. catcher always hits ninth. Why would a catcher not hit ninth? And I explained that some teams, like the team they're about to face too, they have catchers that are actually good hitters. It must have been during the Brave series because obviously between Contreras and Darno, oh, right. they have some hitters. But he, he had asked me, um, hey, Dad, we should sit in the outfield one game. And I said, okay. You know, it's better than him saying, I want to sit first row, you know, right behind the dugout. Like, nah, I'm not spoiling you that much, son. Uh, sure. You want to go to the outfield? We'll go to the outfield. So I thought today or yesterday, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, Wednesday afternoon would be a good time to say, okay, let's go sit in the outfield. And it's a very different vantage point. I don't love it. I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's better than being behind the plate. It's not, but it was cool. Like we were in right field. So when Tyler Naquin hit that home run in the third inning, it was right above us, right above our heads. Cause obviously the whatever they call that porch now, the Coca-Cola porch, the Pepsi porch. I'm at City Field every freaking day. I have no idea what these sponsorships are. I can't even remember. <laughs> I stared at all day off. I have no idea. They change them so often anyway. So it doesn't make a difference. I know. I, I don't know, man. But it was really just to get a different vantage point. And, yes, I put a video out of, I think it was the Vogelbach. The Vogelbach, yes. The two-run the two run double and Alonzo getting thrown out at home. But, yes. Yes. It's a great video. Yes. Great video, by the way. Thank you. I got very lucky with that video. But, yeah, it was just a chance to shake it up, get a different vantage point. But this was great. I mean, you ta- and there were a lot of kids at the ballpark. You take your kid to the ballpark, you'll want to see your team win. And I make a reference because, you know, why not? I took him to, like, eight Brooklyn Net games this year. And, Hoff, they would lose every freaking time I would take him. And he would say to me, they're not any good. And I'd say, well, they're better than and Meanwhile, he was right. They weren't any good, obviously. But at the time... I'm like, no, they're actually good. It's just we happen to pick the wrong days. We're just going to the games where they get their ass kicked. So there's a little extra special when you take your kid to the game that they actually win. And lately they've been winning, obviously. And here's what's crazy. And I guess real quick about the finale of this series, what's there to say? Good bounce back by Taiwan Walker. That was really nice to see. The offense made it easy for him. They jump on TJ Zoik right out of the gate. Uh, Lindor continues to just be tremendous and we'll touch on him in a few minutes on the season that he's having Um, Pete Alonso had a great game just offensively not even hitting home runs that's what's so great about Pete now he can give you a three or four hit game Naquin continues to be awesome look it was a an easy sweep of the Cincinnati Reds that's what it was and it was great 25 out of 27 innings they led boom the Mets won 